This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, September 14th. I'm Jenny Maltabano. And I'm Daniel Davis. Obamacare upset many groups when it passed, including some religious groups who were unhappy with the law's requirements to cover certain drugs. But one health group, comprised of religious Americans, gives people an alternative to some of the heavy-handed mandates of Obamacare. We'll sit down with Dale Bellis, founder of Liberty HealthShare, to discuss his innovative approach. Plus, a leaked video shows top Google execs deeply upset over the election of Donald Trump. We'll cover the highlights and discuss. But first, we'll cover a few of the top headlines. Although Hurricane Florence has been downgraded to a Category 2 storm, it is still expected to wreak heavy destruction and damage for several days along the coast, especially to the Carolinas. In its path are around 10 million people who could be impacted. AccuWeather, who has accurately estimated damage costs for many major past hurricanes, including Harvey and Katrina, is estimating $30 to $60 billion in damage and economic loss. One of last year's biggest storms, Hurricane Harvey, caused $190 billion in damages. Well, U.S. Air Force jets intercepted two Russian bombers off the coast of Alaska on Tuesday before escorting them away. It was the second U.S. intercept of Russian bombers just this month. On September 1st, a similar situation occurred. These intercepts come as Russia engages in its largest military drill since 1981. American intelligence agencies are confident that they have more answers about what led to a mysterious attack on our diplomats in Cuba months ago. If you'll remember, the diplomats faced brain injuries, hearing loss, and other traumatic cognitive issues. Joint investigations between the CIA, FBI, and other agencies are pointing towards Russia as being the culprit through communications intercepts. Reports suggest that intelligence agencies are waiting for a bit more information before they formally blame Russia. Well, the FDA is signaling that it may go after e-cigarettes in an effort to stem an epidemic of teenage usage. The FDA on Wednesday told five major e-cig companies that they need to address the teen usage problem. Otherwise, the FDA may ban flavored tobacco pods that appeal to kids. FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb said data indicates a substantive increase in teenage e-cigarette use over just the past year. Planned Parenthood has announced Leanna Wynn as their new president, who credited the organization for, quote, doing life-saving work. Wynn said of her new role, as a doctor, I will ensure we continue to provide high-quality health care, including the full range of reproductive care, and will fight with everything I have to protect the access of millions of patients who rely on Planned Parenthood. Now, each year, Planned Parenthood aborts around 300,000 babies. And several years ago, pro-life pregnancy centers in Baltimore filed a lawsuit against Wynn, who was working to require these pro-life sites to advertise abortions. Well, up next, we'll talk to Dale Bellis on his innovative faith-based approach to sharing health costs. I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal. And I'm Jenny Maltabano. Each weekday, The Daily Signal delivers the Morning Bell email direct to your inbox. We created The Morning Bell to be your one-stop source for credible news reporting and insightful commentary on the issues that are shaping the agenda. You can subscribe today and get it delivered to your inbox each weekday morning. Sign up now at dailysignal.com. Just click on the Connect button at the top of the page and subscribe today.
Well, I'm joined now by Dale Bellis. He's the founder and chairman of Liberty HealthShare. Dale, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Dale, you know, I remember maybe five or six years ago sitting in the car listening to Christian radio, and I was actually, I heard the commercial for Liberty HealthShare the first time I ever heard of it, and they were explaining the concept, and I was fascinated by it. This was during the Obamacare, you know, it was becoming a bigger thing. Uh, And so I want to ask you about the concept of it and how it works, but... Um, first of all, just yeah, tell us tell us the, the concept of little Liberty Health Share and how you decided to start it. Sure, uh, Liberty Health Share is a nationwide nonprofit association of men, women, families who all unite around the common cause of paying each other's medical bills, and we do that without the help of an insurance company or the government. Just a regular, systematic way to meet healthcare costs in a like-minded community of faith and values where my money every month goes to another person. Uh, And then if I have medical bills, that same group is there to pay my expenses. So is this similar? It sounds kind of similar to an insurance company, but obviously you've got uh, very more specific Christian values built into it. Well, Uh, it's really based much more on the Christian tradition of mutual aid and mutual care. Uh, it's really taking the principles that has existed in our nation from its founding. It's really the way medical bills were paid for before the advent of modern insurance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wh- whenever you would have an expense, you're in a local community, the local church would gather around you, the neighbors would assist, the entire community m- might uh, surround that particular family with care, with support, uh, certainly raising funds to pay those bills. That's the way health care costs were met in America for generations. And it wasn't until the advent of modern insurance, uh, and even today with the health insurance uh, arrangement under the Affordable Care Act, uh, that uh, most of us have been, or at least we think, that's the only way to pay health care costs. And we're here to say, no, (laughs) there's a whole nother tradition uh, and we've engaged with one another in community to pay each other's bills. Well, you so you, you've uh, founded Liberty Health Share in right. the '90s. And well, we were a relaunch, a reorganization of an existing sharing ministry, been in place since 1995. Okay, uh, it's the uh, Gospel Light Mennonite Church Medical Aid Plan, uh, and uh, really historically, at the passage of the ACA, that particular Mennonite group said. This has been our tradition. It's a part of our Anabaptist values to care and assist one another. We'd like to make that available for any and all who wish to come and join us on the basis of our shared values. Uh, And so we just simply took that tradition, launched it as Liberty Health Share, and made it available and, and affordable for any who would come and join us. Well, it seems to me for, it's like it's it's really taken off in the well, last. It, it has. So, uh, our first member uh, for Liberty Health Share was added uh, in August of 2013. We've grown to a hundred thousand families across the nation in all 50 states. That's about 240 thousand individuals. Uh, and using our methodology of person to person, member to member cost sharing. Uh, we're sharing about $30 million of medical bills every month. Wow. Well, you know, in the age of Obamacare and, you know, we're seeing more of, you know, government forcing insurance companies to cover a whole slate of of healthcare products that many people don't want their money to pay for, right. um, you know, on the one basic plan. Um, and 
you know, it's funny. Actually, my alma mater, Wheaton College, was yeah. was part of a lawsuit to to you know suing the government, saying we don't want to pay for abortifacient drugs in our right. healthcare plans. Yeah. Um. And thankfully, thankfully that that turned out well after five years. Um. But you know, there's clearly a concern about this, especially with more talk about single payer healthcare, um, which hopefully does not come down the pike. Um. Do your clients consider Liberty Health Share to be a a moral alternative to some of the some of the um, some of the landmines you might you might sure. find in, in in other mainstream health insurance. Gratefully, under the terms of the Affordable Care Act, there's an entire section devoted to uh, members of healthcare sharing ministries, of which we are one, uh, and we are exempt. Number one, from having the requirement to have insurance and the fine associated with that, but also from the mandates of the Affordable Care Act so that we're able to set our own rules, our own guidelines, literally we call them, uh, for the way in which we share medical expenses. Hmm. Uh, And so uh, we are a safe harbor for those with conscience objections uh, and protections of Christian conscience against money being used in ways that would violate our closely held beliefs. So our dollars don't go for abortion or abortifacients uh, and other high-risk lifestyle costs uh, that are truly irresponsible. Uh, and so our focus is on living responsibly, caring for one another, and paying medical bills among ourselves uh, that uh, really incur after a person becomes a member. Well, you know the way the way things are going. This strikes me as an idea that will be attractive to a lot more a lot more Americans in the years ahead. So, I certainly hope to see it do well. Well, it's focused on really three principles, as I've already mentioned: uh, responsible living. We're health conscious. We're health yeah. focused. We it rises from our shared values. Our bodies are temples, uh, and so we have an obligation spiritually and morally to care for our health. Uh, but number two, that it's really our dollars at stake. And so out of stewardship, we focus on making sure our costs uh, are appropriate. When we stand at the counter uh, and realizing the money's coming from our pockets and the pockets of our fellow members, man, that changes the whole mentality about healthcare consumption. So we review those costs and eliminate unnecessary care. Uh, and, and so we have 100,000 cost containment households because it's our money. Uh, And and the third is we really focus carefully uh, on uh, gaining discounts and accessing uh, the kinds of uh, payments to hospitals and doctors that are fair and reasonable and keeping those costs down. Wow, that's such a such a novel, great concept, but obviously one that, as you mentioned, goes back centuries. Yes. But uh, you've re- brought back into the present and are are, are helping yeah, the, Americans. The, the to, past is now the future. That's right. right. <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, Dale Bellis, uh, former CEO, a current founder and chairman of Liberty Health Share. Thank you for for being in studio. It is such a pleasure and honor. Thanks for the invitation. God bless. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? Then subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court. Well, we all knew Google was a left-leaning organization, to put it mildly, let's be honest. But a newly leaked video from Google is putting that liberal bent in the spotlight. Earlier this week, an hour-long video, which was never meant to be public, was leaked, showing top Google executives speaking to employees directly after the 2016 election. The tone was one of mourning and sadness. 
Here's a couple of clips from the video just to give you a taste. First is Google co-founder Sergey Brin. You know, so many people uh, apparently don't share uh, many of the values that we have. Um, I mean, I guess we've known that for many months now. I mean, it's not like, you know, election terms, whether it was like 47.2% or 48.2% or whatever it was. Um, and it's always been uh, a lot of people that uh, apparently feel that way. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly confronting it firsthand um, is, uh, is pretty upsetting. Uh, and secondly, confronting the reality of an administration that's, uh, that's now forming and Look, we have no idea what it's going to do, is the honest truth. Like, we have no idea what direction this country will take, um, whether whatever the past policy proposals were serious or not or whatnot. And it's a period of great uncertainty. And, um, you know, it's uncertain for many of us here, um, you know, especially immigrants or minorities, uh, women, um, uh, I mean, so many people, and, and just generally, you know, people who you know, have kids and wonder about their world. Well, Google CFO Ruth Porat also took the stage. She struck a, a similar but more emotional note. I want to take you back to um, 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. I was at home with friends and family watching the election returns. And uh, as we started to see the direction of the voting, I reached out to someone close to me who was at the Javits Center where the big celebration was supposed to occur in New York City, somebody who had been working on the campaign. And um, I just sent him a note and said, are, you know, are you okay? It looks like it's going the wrong way. And I got back a very sad short text um, that read, people are leaving, staff is crying, we're going to lose. Uh, that was the first moment I really felt like we were going to lose. And it was this massive like kick in the gut that we were going to lose. And it was really painful. So, Jenny, a really stunning insight into what happens inside Google, the inner culture there. What do you make of this? Well, it is a stunning insight because it's no surprise to you or me or probably most people listening in on this podcast that the tech sector, social media executives, they do lean very heavily left. We've seen that, right? Um, to me, what's most eye-opening about this is that, like you see frequently on the left, they assume that morally they're correct, right? So how how could Donald Trump possibly win? How could half the country, you know, vote for him? They they fail to acknowledge that half the country did want Donald Trump, that people were excited. I mean, you saw she's indicating for people to give each other a hug. Well, I don't know about you, but election night, I was high-fiving people. I was excited because I liked his policies. And another thing, they aren't acknowledging that Hillary Clinton was quite popular possibly the worst candidate that the Democrats could have run. They don't acknowledge any of her shortcomings or failings at all. They just seemed bewildered and mind blown that Donald Trump could have possibly won. Yeah, I was just kind of stunned by the tone, like the assumption um, by the, of all of these top executives that the assumption that that the employees agree with them, you know, like this is a company with tens of thousands of employees. And whatever your political views, like you shouldn't, you know, hold a forum like for, for employees to come where you're just assuming they agree with you. I found that to be kind of the, the arrogance that struck me. Yeah. Um, like, like, like totally fine, like have your opinions, mm -hmm. but make some space for people who might think differently than you. It just kind of struck me like this could have been from the DNC. 
Well, and for how much they advocate for diversity, it makes you wonder how tolerant they would actually be to conservatives or Trump voters in their audience, you know, who do work for them. Well, it makes it's interesting you bring that up because it does remind you of um, James Damore. Some of our listeners might remember that last year, an employee at Google named James Damore, he's no longer there. Um, he filed a memo complaining uh, about Google's ho- what he considered a hostile left wing culture there and that he was fired for that. Um, and here at the Heritage Foundation, you know, we we acknowledge that a private company's right to uh, do that, but it did speak pretty clearly about the culture at Google. Um, and of course, this year we saw at Facebook to a more recent, um, I guess, what would you call it? Like a, a little an email group, mm-hmm. uh, a listserv created by conservatives because someone felt, they felt that someone needed to speak up about the culture there, uh, that conservatives had no place at all, and they were being sort of shoved to the margins. You just kind of would hope that, especially a company as big as Google and as influential as Google, that that, that affects all of our lives. We all use these tech products, that there would be some understanding and some space made for people who don't agree. I, I agree with you completely. I think it's a great insight into why these people are so confused about Donald Trump. Well, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast brought to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, and please leave us a review or a rating on iTunes to give us any feedback. Rob and Jenny will be with you on Monday. You've been listening to the Daily Signal podcast, executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.